0: Thank you for listening to this sermon from Redeemer Church. We pray that as you listen to this message, that your heart would be softened, your ears would be open, and your affections for Jesus would be stirred. We pray that through the Holy Spirit, you would look more like Jesus and know Him more as we strive to be a gospel-centered, disciple-making family together in Wichita Falls. there was uh, this great band called DC Talk. Um, And DC Talk had a group of guys, and there was this one song that came out in 1995. I remember that, I think I had the tape of it, not the CD. This is uh, is high-tech stuff, guys. This is really high-tech stuff. Had the tape of it, and there was a song, I think it was song four, and it was called Jesus Freak. It was called Jesus Freak, and uh, the whole premise of the uh, of the song was, I, I don't care if you think I'm a freak for Jesus. All right, I just don't care. So the world's gonna the world's gonna judge you this way, it's gonna treat you this way, but I don't really care if they know that I'm a Jesus freak. There there ain't no disguising the truth. I'm pretty sure is how the lyric went, and. Um, I bring that up because I think that song might have done more damage than good. It it just depends on your perspective. Like, I get what it's trying to say. But it's also teaching us that there's this culture that is so hostile, so hostile to um, following Jesus all the way. Like, the culture's okay with us following Jesus a little bit, right? Right? It's okay with us um, being a Christian and going to church on Sunday, but it's not okay with us being a Jesus freak to where we don't shut up about the good news of Jesus. We don't shut up about how great God is to where you, you try to work them into every single conversation, right? And so we're, we're not okay with the freaks. We're okay with, you know, just just saying that you're a Christian. It's okay even if you give a little bit to the church. All, all that's okay, but it's not okay. It's not okay if you're all the way... You go all the way with him, all right? And so we want Jesus to be in control of everything here at Redeemer Church. But the world teaches us on an ongoing basis, it's okay for you to go to church on Sunday, but it's not okay for Jesus to be Lord of your business. It's not okay for Jesus to be Lord of the shows you watch. You watch our shows, Christians. You watch our shows and you participate the way that that we want you to participate. Uh, It's not okay for uh, Jesus to be Lord of your checkbooks, or it's not okay for Jesus to be Lord of your screen time. It's not okay for Jesus to be Lord of your bedroom. It's not okay for Jesus to be Lord of your eating habits. All the normal things that that go on in our life on an ongoing basis, we're saying that if you want to follow Jesus to the fullest extent, he has to be in charge of all of those things as well. And what our world is okay with is it's okay if you have a special anointing on Sunday morning music. It's okay if you have a special anointing in good Christian friends. It's okay if you have a special anointing with someone that's preaching the word. But that's as far as it goes. That's as far as your Christianity is allowed to go. Uh, Everything else belongs to the world. Don't be a freak and bring Jesus into every sphere of your life. And what the Bible is actually calling us to is not this negative connotation, but just to be all in. This is the idea of Jesus being Lord. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God resurrected him from the dead, you will be saved. And so there has to be this confession, this confession that Jesus is actually in charge of everything. He is in charge of your business. He is in charge of the shows that you want. He is in charge of your eating habits. He is in charge of your checkbook and where you spend your money. He is in charge of your bedroom. He's in charge of everything. He's in charge of everything. And this is not being a Jesus freak. This is being a Christian. <laughs> this is just being a Christian. And, and there's, no, there's no weak sauce Christian over here and then Jesus free Christian over here. There is just friends with God. There's just friends with God. That's our context, right? That's all of John 15. Is I, I, I saved you, I died for you, I resurrected from the, from the dead. For who? My friends. My friends. Are you a friend of Jesus? But what this passage is telling us today is really unique. Because most of the time whenever the, the, there's this, uh, this word of the Holy Spirit... It's always talking about the work of the Holy Spirit inside the church whenever you read the Bible. But what we see here, what we see here is Jesus telling us what the work of the Holy Spirit's going to be in the world. How the, how the Holy Spirit's going to work in, in the world. And how uh, the Holy Spirit is going to work in the world is He's going to bring conviction. He's going to bring conviction of multiple things. He's going to bring conviction of sin, not sins, but sin. We'll talk a little bit about that um, here in a little bit. He's going to bring conviction of righteousness. What does real righteousness look like? And also judgment, judgment of the world. The Holy Spirit brings these things into light. And we've kind of tiptoed around this and especially last week whenever we talked about how is the world going to receive this message not good by the way they're not going to receive it good but that's okay because what God does is he sends the Holy Spirit before us he sends the Holy Spirit before us and he sends the Holy Spirit inside of us so really what we're doing is we're just working with him we're working with him Christian And and if we don't get this, we will be distraught our entire Christian life. And we'll read the Bible as if it doesn't make any sense. And we'll read the Bible as if it's asking us to do things that are utterly and totally impossible. There's a lot of things in the Bible that are utterly and totally impossible. Think about the context here of what Jesus is saying to the church, to his 12 disciples, and saying to us consequently. He's saying, hey... I'm about to go and die, okay, but uh, I need to give you kind of a commissioning. This commissioning is to take this message of the gospel to every tongue, tribe, and nation. And by the way, you don't know how many continents there are. Uh, but there's a lot of continents that you haven't even heard of yet. And you have to take the good news of the gospel to them, to a people group that you've never even heard of, to a language and to a tongue that you've never even um, listened to, uh, that has never ever hit your ears. And you have to do this, and, but don't worry, I'm with you. And by the way, I'm about to go be with the Father. And so they're like, uh, Jesus, how can we do any of this? go to the ends of the earth with the, with the gospel, we're fishermen right? Uh, th- these guys are common blue collar workers, they didn't have a seminary degree, he didn't call all the Pharisees together and say hey this is what we're about to do, no he called common men out of their vocation and said hey come and follow me and I will send you to the ends of the earth and, the, and they look at this and if you and I look at this with a sober judgment they said this is impossible there's, there's no way we can accomplish this task. There's absolutely no way we can accomplish this task. Let's, let's dive. I want to dive into this a little bit. Because if we are to understand the work of the Holy Spirit, we have to understand why we're here right now. 7,000 miles away from Jerusalem, 2,000 years later. He's preaching the exact same message that Jesus to a, a ragtag group of fishermen preached 2,000 years ago. So let's understand how powerful the work of the Holy Spirit is What Jesus commanded these 12 disciples to do Is he said, go to the Jewish nation The Jewish nation that is zealous for Yahweh That there is only one God And you have to convince them that Yahweh, the uncreated being Came down and was born of a virgin to To an impoverished little girl And then he lived the perfect life, died the death that we all deserve to die, and then resurrected from the grave. And so he had to convince the Jewish people that God became a man. And how how in the world was this going to take place? They... Uh, the, the people of uh, Judea, the Pharisees of this age, were so angry with this message. This is why Jesus went to the cross because they they hated the idea that Jesus was uh, saying that I and the Father are one. Uh, I am one with the Father. Uh, there, God is not mono or un, uh, just one. He's singular. He is triune in nature. God is a Trinity, and there is the Spirit, and there's the Son, and there's the Father. And He had to convince them of this the people that were so zealous for this message how in the world is he going to do it how in the world are these 12 uneducated fishermen going to be able to do this and not only this they had to go to the gentiles they had to go to the greeks all the Greek philosophers whose, whose uh, philosophy we still use today and is actually making a resurgence, especially among, among young men, the, the Stoics and the Epicureans and Marcus Aurelius, everyone's like reading, like look at how wise it is and look at all this stuff. This is over 2,500 years old and we're still reading it today. And they had to go to them, those Greeks who thought that truth, beauty and goodness was transcended above mankind completely transcended above mankind and it was kind of the governing ethos of the universe truth goodness and beauty beauty and they had to convince these stoic philosophers these greek philosophers that actually truth goodness and beauty became a man and dwelt among us He became a man and walked among us. And in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. That the word, the truth, goodness, and beauty manifested itself. Not just in a man. Not in Caesar. Not in the king of kings of the time. But he came as a poor little man in Nazareth. What good comes from Nazareth? And in, in a conquered nation to a poor girl. In this message captivated an entire culture. Why? How? Do you feel like you could do this, church? If we were given this exact same commission by our own power, strength, and piety, and just said, you know what, let's not reach Wichita Falls. Let's just reach this neighborhood from from, um, where the gardeners live back all the way to uh, Archer City. Let's just reach this entire area right back here all the way to Lakeside City. Uh, There's about 2,000 people that live in this area. Could we we do that within our lifetime? In your own strength, power, and piety. Knocking door to door, all, all, all this stuff. Doesn't that scare you? But why shouldn't it scare us? Because what did Jesus say? It's better that I leave you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit inside of you is better than Jesus Christ beside you. And this is what he was teaching the early church. He was teaching them that I'm going to send my spirit. He's going to go, he's going to go before you. This is the spirit that's going to resurrect me from the dead. And what are you afraid of? Go! All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And I'm commissioning you in the power of the Holy Spirit. So therefore, what should we fear? What can man do to us? This is this is the message that is has captivated and transformed the world the world and if you don't get that if we don't understand the power of how the holy spirit has been moving from jerusalem down to down the nile river and then up towards Uh, Macedonia and Greece and through Turkey and then to Italy and then went up to France and Spain and then went over to Great Britain and then crossed the sea went down from Great Britain to South Africa and from South Africa to Australia and across the sea to the United States of America in in the 1600s the power of the Holy Spirit is moving and spreading to the ends of the earth you wanna know why because the Lord gave the Great Commission to go to every tongue tribe and nation and if it was up to us we'd probably fail But it's not up to us. The Holy Spirit of God is with us. And so therefore, this is an easy thing because God is working within us. I said earlier in a prayer that a lot of times on Sunday morning, uh, and this is not original with me, I think I actually heard Ryan say it and quote it not that long ago. But he said, uh, oftentimes we don't say lies to each other on Sunday morning, we just sing them. We just sing lies on Sunday morning. Do we really believe that Jesus is Lord? We sing about it. Do we really believe that he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords? We, we, we sing about it. And if that was true, wouldn't this radically change how we think about our jobs? How we think about the people that are around us? How we think about our sphere of influence? Why? Uh, don't you think that if the gospel got to the Wichita Falls, Texas and has been here for about a hundred years or so a little over a hundred years if the gospel got here and we're 7,000 miles away from Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and, to the, um, and now we're at the ends of the earth if you really think that God has the power to get us here what do you think he's doing with you, Christian? Christian that has the Holy Spirit inside of, inside of you What do you think about your sphere of influence? Who are the people around you that need to hear the good news of the gospel? Because it sounds like God is going to do this whether we submit to it or not. I had nothing to do with the gospel crossing the Atlantic. I had nothing to do with the gospel crossing the Pacific. But yet it did. And yet it did. And oftentimes it would do it by one or two families. One or two families going to the ends... into the earth. William Carey, who's the father of the modern mission movement. Uh, do you know William Carey? You, you, you need to look him up um, as, you, as you leave here. He was known as the father of the modern missions movement. And uh, he said he could not even stand to be in an English speaking church because every time that he stood there listening to thousands of Englishmen and women sing praises to the Lord, he was overwhelmed with the burden that the gospel had not yet taken root in Asia. And, and the Lord used him to start a movement through a guy in the United States called David Brainer. He read his diaries uh, produced by Jonathan Edwards. And whenever he read it, and he saw David Brainer's heart for the Native Americans in, in uh, America, he said, obviously, the good news of the gospel has to go to the ends of the earth. And there's people that we're trading with over in Asia that we're just using for their goods. And what they need is they need the gospel. They need to be transformed. They need to be shaped and changed and, and renewed by the grace of God that has affected the English Church. And so he said he just had to excuse himself. He couldn't say in an English speaking uh, English speaking service until he raised money and he moved his family over there and he gave his life. He gave his entire life to it. Church, I I pray that you and I believe the power of the Holy Spirit so much that there are no more fears that keep us back. There are no more more struggles that say, no, that's for different types of people. uh, Those are for geniuses. Those are for big risk takers. The Holy Spirit inside of you, the Holy Spirit inside of you is better than Jesus Christ beside you. Uh, and I know what I'm saying there. I think I would live a much better, uh, more moral m- life if Jesus was always right next to me. If Jesus Christ the Messiah was always walking with me everywhere I went, I knew He was kind of bu- bu- um, behind me or before me. I'd be like, oh, you know what? Uh, praise God! You know, like <laughs> that just constantly be coming out of my mouth. And He's like, oh, you know what? Uh, pores over here. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna Jesus. You see this? I'm doing this for you. You know, I- I- everything I'd be doing. Everything I'd be doing would be to try to honor him and to love him and to, and, and to revere him as Lord. But Jesus says it's actually better. It's better that I go and be at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and then sending you the power of the Holy Spirit. You want to know why? You want to know why? Because Jesus was just one man. Jesus walked everywhere he went. The furthest Jesus got north was not very far, it wasn't very far. But the disciples could go all the way to Wichita Falls, Texas. Could go all the way to California. Could go all the way to Papua New Guinea. And they could go in droves. And we could spread. We could spread like, like a virus almost. A, a good virus. <laughs> and so, do you see the power of the Holy Spirit at work? It, you might be saying, okay, Cody, I, I get it. And if you're here, listen. If you're here, the number... Um, And you're trying to consider, is Jesus for me? Should I follow after the risen Savior? Is Christianity the religion that I need to subscribe to? All right? The number one question, the number one question that you have to answer for yourself is why are we here worshiping right now? Why are we here worshiping right now? All right? Because if you can answer that question in a secular humanist way... Yeah, there was just a couple of people that were fanatical. There, there's just a couple of Jesus freaks out there that took this gospel across the pond and th- those Puritans, whatever they were about in 1620. Um, if, if you can answer that honestly in a secular, humanistic way, then more power to you. And and I just don't know if it's too, uh, if Christianity is for you. But but if you recognize that all other world religions are basically localized. But the gospel has gone and spread to the ends of the earth. And the Bible said that the gospel will go to the ends of the earth. Why don't you just kind of wake up a little bit and say, I have to fit into my worldview why Christianity is exploding all over the earth. Why is this exploding all over the earth? And and if you can come to uh, a conclusion outside of the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God had promised to spread to the ends of the earth... If you can come up with a different conclusion other than God is really among these people, the the power of God is really at work to spread this message, then, then I don't really know what else to say. But you need to wrestle. You have to fit this into your historical worldview. Why are we here worshiping with a church on every street corner? Is it because the power of God is mighty to save and transforms cultures? And, ch- and changes everything about who we are as a people. So we have to, you have to consider that. And hear me, hear me say this, man, the fact that you're here, praise God for that. I'm so, th- I'm so thrilled that you would honor us with your presence. Honor us with your presence as you consider the ways of Jesus. But that's my challenge. How do you fit this into a secular, humanistic, materialistic worldview? We're here worshiping King Jesus. And saying he's on the throne forevermore. Why are you here? I encourage you to consider that as we move, as we move forward. All right? And so the, the way that we need to progress through through this text is to look at how the Holy Spirit is going to transform the world. The Holy Spirit is going to con- transform the world by convicting of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Let me read that again just to refamiliarize familiarize ourselves with the text. Verse 9 says, Concerning sin because they did not believe in me concerning righteousness because I go to the father and you will no longer you will see me no longer concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged are you convinced are you convinced that the way that you experience God is through your recognition of your sin not your sins but of your sin you say Cody what's the difference why are you saying sins are one thing and sin is another thing? Because primarily what the Holy Spirit's going to do is going to help you see, if you're, in, uh, if you're a part of uh, the Christian faith, it has at one point helped you see that your sin is what keeps you from God. Your sin is ultimately what keeps you from God. And your sin was keeping you in a state of disbelief, lack of trust in God, God Almighty. And uh, this is different from sins because we all have a conscience. And whether you kick the dog or you eat too much or, you know, you, you uh, have a bad day and you, uh, you're snooty with people at your work or you have a, t- um, a fight with your, your spouse, here's the thing. Uh, we all have consciences and we can all feel bad about that. That's not necessarily the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit is bringing and revealing to you what your heart is ultimately trusting in. It's revealing to you the soil that your heart is resting in and growing your life, life into. And what the good news of the gospel does is it helps us understand that what ultimately what separates us from God and what we need is rescue from our present state of sin, you need rescue from your sin. And so that's why Jesus on the cross for the Christian brings everlasting joy. Whenever you think of the cross, look at me. Whenever you think of the cross, are you filled with joy? Does it sometimes bring you to tears? Or is this some cold religious orthodox thing? It's like, yeah, Jesus died on the cross for my sins, whatever. How do you respond to it? Oh, what what part thrills your heart? Whenever you look at Jesus on the cross, are you seeing that he is there taking the punishment for your sins? Or is this just another religious thing that is weird and we don't necessarily understand what's going on? D. Martin Lloyd-Jones was a preacher in the early 20th century. And he's important uh, for us because D. Martin Lloyd-Jones kind of saw secularism sweep through Great Britain before it swept through America. And so uh, he actually, it's kind of like if you listen to some of his sermons and read some of his writings, you're like, wow, it's almost exactly what we're going through here in America right now. And so one of the things that was really interesting as I've uh, picked him up and read him um, throughout the years is he said he always would ask anyone that came to his church or someone that he met as an acquaintance that wanted to talk about religious things, he would ask them one question. And this question was simple, but yet overwhelmingly profound. He would look at them dead in the eyes and say, Are you a Christian? Are you, really, are you really a Christian? Church, let me ask you, are you a Christian? <laughs> are, you really, are you really a Christian? And what uh, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones would say, if they began to say anything about trying. It's like, well, I'm trying. Oh, I've been working at it, Preacher. I, I, you know, I try. I'm trying to be the best Christian that I, I can be. I I'm I'm trying to read my Bible. I'm trying to be I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to be more faithful. I'm trying uh, to be a little bit more joyful. I'm trying to understand my Bible more. I'm trying to pray more. He says, as soon as they said the word "try," I knew they knew nothing about the gospel. As soon as they said "try," now, church, how did you respond to that question? Are you, are you someone that's perpetually saying, "Well, I'm I'm trying." I'm trying to make it to church on Sunday. (laughs) I'm trying to read my Bible. I'm trying to understand it. I'm trying to pray. I'm trying because the doctor would say, you don't understand what separates you from God. Because our sin is what separates us from God, we need, what does verse 10 say, concerning righteousness because I'm going to the Father. We need the righteousness of Christ. We need the perfect righteousness of Christ. And you say, Cody, what is righteousness? righteousness? Righteousness is right standing before God. And there's no way we can try our way to get to right standing before God. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit, whenever you first begin to understand the gospel, guess what? You're going to feel really bad. (laughs) You will feel really bad. You want to know why? Because he begins to graciously reveal to your heart that all of your striving, that all of your energy, that all of your Bible reading, that all of your religion is not enough. It can never be enough because God demands perfect righteousness to be in his presence that's why Jesus says concerning righteousness because I'm going my righteousness my perfect life that I lived has has uh, accredited to me the ability to go stand next to the father and go be with the father this is the good news of the gospel is the good news of the gospel is understanding that my sin separates me and I need the righteousness of another no amount of striving can get you there No amount of effort can get you there. No amount of trying can get you there. And guess what? This is paradoxical. But if you get that, Christian, look at me. As soon as you get that no amount of striving can get you there, then you say, Lord, command me. Whatever you want me to do, I'm going to go do. Because I'm saved by grace and not my own striving. You see, whenever you recognize the grace of God, Whenever you recognize that it's the grace of God that saves you, you move from I have to do these things so that God is okay with me to I, God, command me. What do I get to do for you? What do I get to do next? How, how are you calling me to, into greater and greater obedience? See, this is powerful. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. And if you're in this room and you're thinking to yourself, man, man, I'm one of those that is trying to be a good Christian. Uh, don't beat yourself up because this is God's grace. You're here today. You're hearing this right now. And, and the, the good news of the gospel is that the gospel saves those that hear this message of saved by grace and grace alone. And it saves those that despair of this message. And it saves those that despise the message and says No, 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 Cody, I think you're wrong. I think God wants me to be religious in fact I've been religious my whole life I've, I've been a good Christian my whole life and I think what I've been doing and I think how I've been acting and how I've been serving and how I've been self-sacrificial I think really I'm going to stand before God someday and he's going to say well done good and faithful servant and I don't want to bother him with him giving me all of his grace because I'm actually pretty I'm actually pretty good and When you hear this message of the gospel, you fall into two categories. If you're far from God, you fall into two categories. You either fall into despair. Oh, man. Yeah, I do feel terrible. And I feel like I'm in this predicament where the Holy Spirit just perpetually makes me feel really bad. I don't know what to do, and I I try to believe, and I, I just feel like there's nothing I can do. And I'm in this constant despair. And the other side... Is no, you're wrong. I'm filled with pride. And uh, God is really going to be happy with me because I'm crushing it and I'm killing it. And I've always crushed it and I've always killed it. I've always been good at everything that I've done. I know how to set goals and achieve them. I know how to be kind and generous. I know how to be compassionate and merciful. I know how to do all these things. And so, therefore, I really don't think to throw myself on the mercy of God that feels beneath me. But let me show something to you those two perspectives these two perspectives the despair of woe is me god will never save me god will i'm I'm too bad my uh, god's grace can't cover me because of all the mess of sin that i experience or i'm too good both of those come from the exact same position you know what it is thinking of yourself too much both are thinking of yourself too much. And what the good news of the gospel is, says is re- alleviate all of that. Stop thinking of yourself and throw yourself on the mercy of God. Uh, don't say, I'm too bad, and don't say, I'm too good. Both are, both are in the headwaters of pride one expressed negatively, and one expressed positively. And the, the gospel says, You cannot be proud with God. There is, no, there is no pride allowed. Let he who boasts, boast in the Lord alone. Are you boasting in his grace to save you? Have you received his grace to save you? Or are you looking at your religious stuff and every time you sin, you start doing a, ca- a religious calculator? It's like, oh man, I better go to church this Sunday and um, I better go to Grow Group and confess this. Maybe, I, maybe if I confess this, then that's what God is really pleased with. Or maybe if I go to my gospel community, or maybe if I... Man, I better give some money this week because I, I really blew it this week. Is that your thought process? Or are you resting? you resting under the grace of God and then saying, God, command me. Command me. Send me. Here am I. Send me right now. Is that the posture of your heart? Or whenever you read something about the Holy Spirit. Are you completely lost? Are you completely lost? Because D. Martin Lloyd Jones had it right. He had it right. If you're a Christian in here and you say, I'm trying to be it, you don't get it because you have to rest in not what you can do, but what has been done in the gospel. What has been done for you, church, is that Jesus lived the perfect life he died the, your death that you should have died, and he resurrected from the grave. And we have to get this. We have to get this because this salvation, this salvation that we uh, that we have, is really progressive. And let me explain what I mean there. Uh, like any relationship, you progress in multiple stages, right? I remember the first time I saw a Stephanie Migrant. Uh, I was I was working. Kind of as a student leader in this parachurch ministry, and she was kind of on my core team uh, of of greeters. And I just remember some—I saw her, and I was like, "Wow, oh my goodness!" And i I just stared at her. I just stared. I I stared at her to the point I was like, "Stop staring! Like, stop! What are you doing? Like, that's awkward. That's weird." And I was like, "I got to talk to her somehow." And I think it was a good solid month. Uh, just being like, hi, 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 what's up? You know, like, not even knowing how to talk to her. Not even knowing how to talk to her. But guess what? We're married. We have a lot of kids now. Um, and uh, one could come before I finish the sentence. And um, And our relationship has progressed. All right? Our relationship has progressed. I could say, I could say to her... I was like, man, I just can't talk to you because I'm just so starstruck by your beauty. Um, but, you know, like some of you guys would know that, you know, is he really being honest there? I, or are you just flirting with your wife? It was like, I'm just flirting. But why? Because we progress. We progress. It gets deeper. It gets more, more beautiful. And our connection with God, our salvation from the Lord moves in three different stanzas. First, you are justified. All right, you are justified from the, from the Lord. And you know what that does to your sin? It frees you from the penalty of sin. Salvation in your justification, as soon as you believe, as soon as you trust that I don't have to try anymore because what has been done, Christ did it in my place, as soon as you believe that with your, with your heart, guess what, you are freed from the penalty of sin. But it doesn't stay there and that's not all you're looking for in salvation, because that's not how the Bible articulates salvation. There's two other stanzas: sanctification and glorification. And these are things that you probably need to write down, because they're kind of churchy words. But it's important that we know and understand it, because this is what the Bible expresses. Number one, number two, our justification. Excuse me, our sanctification. You know what that does? It frees us from the power of sin. In the practice of sin. And that's what you and I are doing right now, Christian. We are freed because of the inner work of the Holy Spirit from the power of sin and the practice of sin. And I think there's a lot of us in this room that do not believe that. You think that Satan is still in charge of this world. And look at our text. Our text says, I go to the Father... In the judge, the judgment of the judge of this world has been executed. You know what that, You know what that means? That the resurrection of Jesus has bound the strong man, which is the enemy. And yes, we live in the ether of his lies. but you are free from the lies of the enemy. You are free from it. And I think so many of us are still believing the lies that the power of sin, we have nothing, we have no power to break sin in our life. And we are just going to perpetually practice sin for the rest of our lives. Let, let, me, let me show you a couple of texts that are so crucial. Psalm 19:13 13 this is David praying. He's saying, keep back your servant also from willful sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. You know what he's saying? He's saying, God, let me walk with you so closely in friendship that the thing that my heart pursues is not willful sinning. And there's so many of us in this room that, is st- that bears the name of Christ. It says, I walk with him. I delight in him. I say that I, uh, I, I follow him. But also... I am completely trapped and bound by my sin. I'm completely trapped and bound, and I will never be set free. Listen, listen. Romans 14, 23 gives the greatest definition of sin. You want to know what it is? Everything that does not proceed from faith is sin. So are you believing the lie that you are still bound by your sin? You are still bound by pursuing whatever sin has captured you, whatever perverted sexual sin has captured you, whatever uh, sense of arrogance and pride, and I'm better than everyone, has captured you. No, this is not true. Why? Because the Holy Spirit resides inside of you and is setting you free from the power and practice of sin. And if you don't believe that, guess what? That's sinful. If you don't believe the plain understanding of the text, it's sinful, And because what Jesus says and what the Word of God says is that you are set free from the power and practice of sin. You are set free. Do you believe that, church? You Cody, you don't know. You don't know how far. You don't know how deep I'm into this thing. Listen, dear friends, God has provided for you the church. He's provided for you His Word. He's provided for you His Spirit. He's provided for you His power. Don't you dare blaspheme the name of our Lord by saying, He is impotent to change me. He can absolutely transform every single thing about you. This is what we're confessing, church, when we say, Jesus, be Lord of all. Be Lord of it all, okay? And there's so many of us that just aren't obeying in this area over here. Confess your sins one to another so that you can be free, so that you can be healed. The Lord has provided everything you need, everything you need to walk in the powerful transformation of his salvation. This is the Spirit's work. This is the Spirit's work. Do not, do not believe the lies of the enemy that you are captured by your sin. Keep your servant from willful sins, the psalmist says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And what will he do? And you'll still struggle with sin for the rest of your life. No. And he will make straight your paths. He's saying, Cody, are you teaching sinless perfection? By no means. But I'm saying, we shall not say, should we keep on sinning? Or should we keep on being permissive of sin so that grace may abound? By no means. We are free from the power and the presence of sin. Do you believe this, church? Do you believe this? The judgment of the liar has been executed here on earth. Jesus is Lord of lords, He is King of kings. Have you received Him that way? Have you received Him as Lord over all of your sin, all of your brokenness? Submit it over to Him. Stop trying. Stop trying. I'll conclude with this. The most powerful thing that distinguishes Christians from all other religions of the world is that we don't just repent of our sins, we also repent of our righteousness. Stop saying, I'm okay with Jesus because I've done this, that, and the other righteously. You are okay with God the Father through Christ and Christ alone that is it lay your deadly doing down down at Jesus' feet lay it all down so that all that is left is a free will offering to the Lord don't think that your righteousness makes you okay with God it doesn't Christ and Christ alone does and the Holy Spirit will bring conviction of your sin of the righteousness that you need and also the judgment of the world and the judgment over your sin believe it and live. Let's pray.